Hello, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Print Life Podcast. Today, I'm going to share with you five tips of things to consider and begin putting in practice as you move forward in your freelance career or working with studios on consignment before handing work off. While I'm mostly speaking to freelance designers in this episode, some of these items will still apply if you work as an in-house designer as well. You're listening to the Print Live Podcast. I'm Leslie Kinahan, owner and creative director at White Buffalo Studio and founder of the Print Life Community. This podcast was created to offer insight into the hidden world of print design. If you're a surface pattern or print designer who wants to attract dream clients, increase sales, and build a sustainable business that you love, you're in the right place. With over a decade of experience, I'll be covering all things surface pattern and print design, sales, marketing, and mindset to support designers in growing a creative business. Whether you're freelance, in-house, or just getting started, I've got you covered. Welcome to The Print Life. I can remember back to some of the first jobs that I had as a freelance designer um, in our in our industry, whether print design or doing CAD work or mocking up bodies. And if you're anything like me, maybe you feel as somebody new to freelancing, you may feel a little insecure. Maybe you don't quite trust your gut just yet. You need a little bit of support somebody to bounce your ideas off with, somebody to kind of hold your hand through the process and tell you exactly what they need. Maybe you need the feedback loop. Maybe you need the constructive criticism. You need to know where you stand in order to begin building that confidence along your journey as a freelance designer. While I understand this because I have been there, my first, my number one tip has more to do with mindset than the actual work that you're producing, but it will lend itself to building up the confidence in creating better work in the long run and doing your best work in the long run. So tip number one is all about taking note of when we begin viewing our relationships, either with freelance clients or with a studio that we're working with on consignment, when we're viewing those relationships as more of an employee-employer relationship rather than a partnership. And if you can try and keep in mind and work on practicing the idea of viewing these relationships that you're going to begin building as a freelance print designer, either working with studio on consignment or working with your own clients, we begin viewing these as partnerships. It will support you in the long run. Not only will it help you to build your confidence, but it's going to build very strong relationships and very strong bonds with the clients that you're working with and with the studios that you're working with. Often, as we get started as freelancers, we are craving the feedback. We're craving the connection because perhaps we're used to an in-house job or perhaps we're used to school right? Where we need to know, how did we do? What did you think? What's going on? What's my grade? What's happening, right? Or with an in-house job, we're constantly getting feedback. We're being told exactly what to do, exactly what is needed from us. And often as freelancers, it's our responsibility to hold up 
our own end of the partnership by not needing as much of that hand-holding. As you begin building relationships, you will 100% come across clients who will give you that. They're like in your inbox all day long. They're constantly calling you. They're telling you exactly what they want. They're giving you more feedback than you can even handle. But then often when you're working with the studio on consignment, you will feel the effects of working with somebody who runs their business alone. Trust me from experience, I've been running my studio for almost 10 years now. I've been working, I've worked with hundreds of designers and my favorite relationships are the designers who understand the process of what's happening. So often when you work with freelance clients, you will get a lot of that back and forth. Some clients want you to just kind of show up and give them what they ask for and then we're done here. Um, Some clients want to hold your hand through the process because maybe they don't quite trust the process of working with the freelancer yet. On the flip side, when you're working with a studio on consignment, you are in most cases going to be working with somebody who is wearing all the hats in their business and may not have the bandwidth to send three emails out a month to every single one of their 10 to 20 designers. That's a lot of emails. It's a lot of follow-up. It's a lot of hand-holding. It's a lot of time that we don't have. And Our focus, our energy, our time must be spent on reviewing work, getting it up in a shop or getting it into an email marketing campaign. Oftentimes as a studio, we're being asked by clients to provide curated PDFs on a weekly basis, which take hours to to compile. And we're going through the collection and putting together a PDF and sending it out to that client and then putting a PDF together and sending it out to that client and curating little mini collections to share with clients for creative meetings. And this all takes a lot of time. So the best advice I can give to somebody, whether you're a freelancer or you want to work with the studio on consignment, is to embrace the silence when it happens and to trust the process. I'm not saying you can't reach out and say, Hey, I put new work up or did you get my last email? Are things looking okay? This is all fine. But when we need that constant interaction, that constant attention, the constant critique, the constant information, it's not going to work as well with, with many freelance clients. And it definitely is not going to work very well with a consignment studio who doesn't have a lot of time to be engaging with um, their designers. When we view things as a partnership, then we are looking at it as, okay, I'm working with this client. I've studied their end user. I've studied their customer. I have a pretty good grasp of who they're serving. I've seen the directive of what they need from me. And it's going to save you a lot of time in the long run by trying to understand the client's needs before we're reaching out. Not just throwing questions out for the sake of asking questions, but asking questions that are truly going to guide you along the process and really enable you to be a good partner to your freelance clients is going to be key. Not second guessing yourself and asking questions in a way where They don't feel confident in the relationship, but the questions should be strong questions that lead to a strong outcome. With working with a studio on consignment, we really need to trust that process there as well 
and understanding that when you hand off work, that's the extent of your part of the arrangement. Now it's up to the creative director in the studio to show that work, to give you notes if necessary, to get that work up in an online shop or print it to fabric or in the hands of the sales rep or the agent or off to New York in a package all ready to go. Whatever they need to do, now they have your work. You've let them know that you've submitted new work and now we let it go. We take a breath. We trust the process. And the more you can trust in the person that you're working with, the more you're being, you're viewing this arrangement as a partnership rather than an internship. And when you work with a print design studio on consignment, it's not an internship. It's not a training for you. It, it's a job and it is a partnership. And the creative director does need you to view it as such in order for that relationship to flourish, in order for that relationship to work. And you will build confidence over time. You will get more confident in the arrangement as it is with the particular studio or company or client that you're working with. But that can be the number one place where I see artists kind of lose their way is getting overwhelmed with the silence instead of moving forward and trusting the process. Number two, working in groups. Working in groups can be a really amazing way to increase sales and to really kind of begin to explore and play with your handwriting as well. Because when you do work with a studio on consignment, that's the give and take there is that you're able to play and explore and kind of nurture your own unique style, nurture your handwriting in working in these particular ways with a studio. So for example, you get a design brief. The design brief is retro florals um, that are pastel and feminine. So feminine pastel retro florals, let's say, was the mood board. You don't just want to hand off one print for that board. You want to do a, what we call like a mini group or a small collection of prints that work to that brief. They can be different iterations of how you're interpreting the trend, or they can be, maybe you landed on one really amazing way to do it, but you want to do four iterations of it to increase the likelihood of making more than one sale. Again, viewing this like what we spoke in number one, viewing this as a partnership, you're not only trying to get the studio to increase sales, but you're also trying to get to the studio to build that relationship with their clients where they're providing um, some options. And it's also going to work in your favor when you sell three prints instead of one. So when we work in groups, some things that we might want to think about is that the ground color is not the same in all four or five or seven, however many prints you're doing for your group, that you have variety in the ground color, there's variety in the scale, and there's variety in the color palette altogether. They should feel like they merchandise well together. Like if you were going to walk into a store, you should be able to see four different garments with those prints in it hanging together and they complement each other, but they feel cohesive. And not to say necessarily that you'd want a client to buy all four and that they'd be hanging together, but in terms of merchandising, you'd want to be able to see them hanging together without competing with each other, without maybe 
feeling like there's a lot of contrast or clashing, but you want them to feel harmonious in such a way that they can be shown as a group. And being a designer who was on the other side of the table, who was looking at all the work from print studios coming to us, I was buying the prints from the reps and agents. When we would lay the groups out, some groups were so good that we literally couldn't decide. We would have like seven prints on the ground from one group that was so good that we would end up buying two prints from that group instead of one. And then, you know, the rest of those prints are going off to see other buyers who might have loved it just as much as we did. And they may have a hard time choosing as well. This is what you want to do. This is what is going to increase your value to the studio. This is what is going to increase your sales. And this is what is going to help you better understand how to not only interpret a trend in a variety of ways, but how to be cohesive in your handwriting. Batching motifs actually lends itself a lot to working in this way because you can work faster and the group will feel more cohesive on a whole because you've batched out your motifs. So working in groups is a really, really useful way of working for a multitude of reasons, right? Not just increasing your sales, not just lending itself to the studio, being able to show many collections within their whole collection. But also let's say you have submitted seven of those prints. Let's say four of them sold. You get three of them back in six months from the studio that you can sell elsewhere. So it really is a win-win all around when we work in this manner. Number three, how to interpret a design brief is going to be so beneficial to you. So when we look at a design brief that we're given by a studio, I often, um, when I see work returned to me where it's clear that the artist has basically taken every image off the mood board and created a print based on that image where we're just copying every image I've um, let those designers go, or I've given them another opportunity to kind of change up the way they're interpreting a brief. So when we interpret a brief, there may be six to 10 images on a mood board, sometimes only four or five. It depends on the style, but you're going to want to interpret it as a whole in your own unique point of view, in your own handwriting. This is about not just copying what we're being given, but interpreting. This goes back to artistic integrity and coming from a place of trusting in your own style and having some confidence in the work that you do and being able to look at imagery on a design brief as a whole to interpret a mood and feel, to interpret a look, to interpret a style in your own hand. And for example, let's go back to what we were talking about in working in groups. Let's say we had that design brief, right? It was pastel color palette, retro florals that have a feminine vibe. I should be able to say that to a really great designer. I should be able to say feminine pastel retro florals without you seeing anything and have you be able to deliver me four prints that merchandise well together that work within the words that I just said. However, sometimes I think when we are 
not having a creative practice in place, not building that creative confidence, sometimes we can get stuck on a design brief because we're trying to be so literal. We'll look at the brief and we're trying to create something. Then we feel like we're a little bit trapped in a box, right? When really think of a design brief as a suggestion, like a very strong suggestion, not necessarily a map to get you exactly where you need to go, but a suggested a suggested path of getting there. So sometimes on a design brief, you'll see something that has like a really flowy floral and then something that has a different kind of a floral and then something that has a really floral, flowy leaf. And the mood could be something that is very strong, but we're unclear on exactly what kind of motifs we're supposed to be doing or what kind of hand style. And we get caught up in too literally trying to interpret this brief. So the next time you look at a design brief, try and study it and understand from the perspective of the creative director or even the perspective of whatever market that studio serves to try and say, What are they looking for here in terms of a mood, in terms of telling a story, in terms of a look and a feel, and how can I take my own unique point of view, my own style, my own handwriting to create something unique within this mood or style? Because there is nothing more disappointing, I would say, as a creative director than when you give a design brief to your team and you get back the same exact set of prints from every single designer and then you cannot show them all because everybody did the same thing. So interpreting a brief is going to be what you really wanna focus on is your interpretation, not being so literal unless you're being given a, a very specific direction for a commissioned piece from a client and that's exactly what they want that's a whole different story but usually from a design studio it's going to be like the suggested path like we were saying before not necessarily a literal interpretation of the prints that are on the board number four is really getting to understand layout. Even if you have to challenge yourself to sit down for 30 minutes a night for the next month, you know, after dinner, after you've you've done with everything for the day, pour yourself a glass of wine or make a cup of tea or whatever you like to do in the evening and sit down and study layouts because really understanding layouts, how something looks on the body, what market it's for, what end use the purpose that it's serving, the end use, uh, the product it's going to be on, how it's going to land on that particular product. Knowing this is half the battle because often you can save yourself a lot of time before delivering a print to a studio by asking yourself, will this work on the body? Will this work on for their target market? Will this work for the end use? Um, let's say you're working with a print design studio and they give you an active wear board. Well, we can design amazing prints, but are we really envisioning it on the body, on the activewear, and how that is going to work, where it's going to land? If you would buy it, go look at a few activewear brands and say, would they buy it? And really understanding layout, really understanding our market is going to help you so much in being able to have that critical eye on your work before you submit it to the studio. It's like a pre, you're the pre-check. You should always pre-check your work 
before you hand it off to the creative director. And that's where training our eye to be the art director before we give it to the art director is going to eliminate a lot of the perhaps back and forth or however many rounds of notes, depending on how you're working with the studio. But even with client work or an in-house job, having that critical eye will eliminate maybe one or two rounds of notes because you're, you're seeing an issue before they do. A way that you can go about this before you submit to a creative director and art director is to have mock-ups on hand where you can drop your artwork into the mock-up and see how you're liking it. Does it make sense? Where is it landing? Will it work for a commercial repeat? Does it go two different directions or one different direction? Is it going to be expensive to print? Does this make sense? Is anything landing on a problem area? Do you have any markings within the print that if they landed on the bust um, for you know girls or women or swim if it landed on the bust is it going to create like we call it like the bullseye is it going to create a problem area Um, if anything is on let's say a bikini bottom we don't want it like a large dark open space anywhere we want to make sure that things are falling and flowing and looking really nicely before we hand off and lastly For number five, do you have a value add or do you feel that the work has enough value to offer the client or the end use? So oftentimes, um, going back to the design brief suggestion of that we were talking about in step number two, which was pastel feminine retro florals, right? There's a lot of different ways that you can interpret this. And if you were to just draw a few simple retro florals and pastel colors and toss them, and that was it, a print that is so simple looking that it appears that it would be easy enough for an in-house designer to throw together, the companies and the clients aren't necessarily looking to the studios to purchase these types of prints. These types of prints do sell, and whether that be to do a custom job for somebody as a freelancer or if you're an in-house designer and you're cranking out really simple stuff, but when clients and companies and brands come to a print studio, they're not necessarily looking for those really simple prints. However, sometimes simplicity can be one of the hardest things to accomplish and make it look like it has a lot of value. So look at your work through the lens of even if it's simple, does it feel like an expensive print? And a really great person you can reference, look up online to get a good idea of what I'm talking about here would be like an Orla Kylie. So very simple motifs, but the design is really beautiful. It's executed well. So it's, a, it's about really looking at your work and saying, will this sell for the rate in which the studio is selling the work? Is this, does this have enough value? Am I offering the client enough value? And often, if you ever feel that the main print is feeling a little bit lacking, maybe go back in and and add a little bit more, or you can add a twin print. So if they are very simple graphic florals, let's say with very simple, straightforward layouts, maybe it needs a dot or a stripe or a foulard or some sort of a geo or twin to go back to it. So in fashion design prints, fashion print design, a twin is essentially a coordinate or a secondary print that comes along with the print. 
So once the print is sold, it comes with that secondary print. It's called a twin print, and it even comes in the same art file. You don't make a separate file for it, it's in the same file. This is a really great way to add value for the client because they're essentially getting two prints in one. You could even take the simple floral and mix it in with a dot as a secondary print. Like just getting creative and thinking about how you're adding value, even if you have to imagine that end garment how can we work two prints into that end garment? Sometimes we have to put on our design hat and think about how the designer for the end use is going to look at the artwork. How are they going to work it? How are they going to interpret it? And how can I, I help them out a little bit? How can I add a little bit of value for them so that when they see this print, they automatically think, oh great, that could be the bikini top and that could be the bikini bottom, or that could be the the suit and that could be the wrap that goes with it or you know just kind of really getting into the headspace of how you can add value to the end use and that's going to increase the value of your artwork as well so those are my five tips whether you are working in-house working with a studio or even looking at your own work before you upload it to your own online shop, those five things are really great to put into practice and to keep them at top of mind when you're looking and reviewing your artwork before you hand it off or upload it to your shop. I promise that if you work on sharpening those skills, both the mindset aspect as well as sharpening your design chops by studying the market and learning how to have a more critical eye, you will increase the overall value of yourself as a professional as well as your work and put yourself in a better position to be able to make that consistent income and get those repeat clients and build a great relationship with the studio. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Print Life Podcast. If you're a surface pattern or print designer interested in learning about working with a print design studio on consignment, head over to whitebuffalostudio.com forward slash links and take a peek at my mini course, Consignment Design 101. It takes you through everything you need to know about working with a design studio on consignment from A to Z. See you next time.